0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to a very special Blood Red podcast. It's Christmas Day and I'm Joe Rimmer and I'm joined by two fine gentlemen today to talk all about Virgil van Dijk on my left is not our full-time Liverpool reporter both home and away but he is a full-time Liverpool reporter both home and away it's Ian Doyle I'm the reporter
1: sense. James is the correspondent ah, and so hello sorry. to you Joe and a very Merry Christmas to you Joe as well
0: very Merry Christmas it's not actually Christmas Day when we're talking it's Christmas don't Eve yeah, but it's, but, yeah, it's yeah, near enough, enough isn't it, it is near by the time we yeah.
1: finish it'll be Christmas Day <laughs> Merry it'll Christmas feel like to all anyway.
0: I hope this is a, an extra Christmas present for you because we've done Blood Red this week and we were joined again by Paul Gorst on Blood Red and he's back again today hello Many Paul Christmas Mr. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, very well. Good, very well. good. Well, the I'm topic okay. of Thanks conversation... I did ask you how you were. Did you? Yeah. Sorry. The topic of conversation today is Virgil van Dijk. Um, it was just over a year ago. Liverpool received a, a very late Christmas gift on the 27th when they announced that they would be signing Virgil van Dyke from Southampton uh, in a £75 million deal at the time. Ian Doyle, I think you were in around that time, weren't you? But what were your thoughts when Liverpool announced or when news of that deal sort of filtered through?
1: Well, my initial thought was, oh, for God's sake, I've got to go back into the office. <laughs> it, was about, it was about six, half past six, and I'd just finished and just got home. And funny enough, this reminded me very much of when they nearly signed Virgil van Dyke in uh, June, July, in the, in the summer.
0: Which you were in for as well. Which I was in for that in one cheer, as well. Yeah. And exactly yeah. the
1: same thing happened, whereby, oh yeah, we, we sorted it all, and I went home, and then that statement dropped, if mm-hmm. you remember. But going back to your initial question, my initial thoughts were wasn't massively surprised to be honest mm-hmm. we all kind of secretly knew without any any of us having any official confirmation or indeed any tip we just could tell couldn't you you could tell that from the minute that Van Dyke had told Liverpool that he wanted to join them it was always going to happen at some point that's just the way that these things tend to go in football not just with Liverpool but with anybody once a player decides that he wants to go to a certain club and the club you know say well we'll pay the money for him and there you go and Liverpool did pay 75 million pounds and I think At the time, there were a lot of fans of other clubs going, what on earth have you paid that for? And then, you know, a year down the line, I think everyone's going, well, it's quite cheap.
0: You say that, you said that we all knew, but it was only a few days before Liverpool announced that they were going to sign him, that there was a report, I think it was in the Telegraph, that that Manchester City were actually favourites for him. Do you you remember that, Paul? And do you remember what your thoughts were maybe at that time? Yeah, I remember from from the summer when
2: it became clear that Van Dijk had basically chosen Liverpool as his next destination. When it kind of fell through, it was like... Okay, well, if Liverpool miss out on him, then surely he's going to go to Chelsea or Manchester City. So, the fact that he stayed, you know, st- stuck to his guns and said Liverpool was the one for me was, I think, it speaks very highly of him as a as a person and as a character because he wouldn't be swayed. He could have easily went to Manchester City, picked up a Premier League winners' medal within his first three or four months, couldn't he? So it was it, it was it was good for him that it, that he he stayed stayed with what he wanted and and made that move. And it was a big task for him as well, wasn't it? Because Liverpool were really. Poor at the back at, at certain times. And obviously, mm-hmm. you know, so much was written and, and spoken about how um, how they needed a top-class centre-back, and it was a big ask for him to come in as the world's most expensive defender, seventy-five million. I think a lot of people thought Liverpool had overpaid, even by as much as fifteen to twenty million. And he's come in, and, and as soon as he came in, he just just he just toughened everyone up, didn't he? He was he was leading from the first match against Everton. He was pulling Andy Robertson in. He was Trent Alexander-Arnold or Joe Gomez and. Obviously, Diane Lovren and Liverpool have just gone from strength to strength, and, and they're just getting better and better defensively as well. And a lot of it is, is all down to him.
0: And or you're fond of telling us that you've been a journalist for over 20 I years. Yes, yes. It's just true, isn't it? It is 21 and a half, 21 yes. 21 and a half years. Which is so,
1: I've now been alive longer as a journalist than not one, which is a very depressing thought. But anyway, continue.
0: <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, you've covered many a transfer deal in that yes. time. In terms of significance, not just fee, is this mm. the biggest deal? that you've ever reported on as a a football correspondent?
1: Um, It's got to be up there, hasn't it? I mean, the Coutinho leaving was uh, another big deal, which, of course, happened the following week. But uh, if you
0: take into account everything that had happened previously. Well, yeah, I mean, it
1: was... Well, I remember at the time I wrote a piece that was quite damning of Liverpool when they, mm. obviously the transfer initially fell through, we had that strange situation where Southampton mm. put that statement out and Liverpool put the statement out. And Liverpool you said it also. was the most embarrassing I moment did. in yes, Liverpool's I did. history, which yeah, it wasn't it, over the top at all. It, strong, was it, it, yeah, it was very mm. strong, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very strong because I think well, it was right. But it was, also written, it was also written from the point that you kind of suspected they were going to sign him anyway, yeah. which is that's what the embarrassment was from. I think if you look at the way Liverpool went last season, okay, they got to the Champions League final with Van Dijk. Could they have got an awful lot nearer to the top of the table with him playing from the start of the season? I think they would have done. Mm-hmm. And then you wonder how that could have impacted on the Champions League, run the FA Cup, etc., etc. Because would they have had more chance of winning something with Van Dijk? I think you saw with what he did in the Champions League. Then yeah. So in that sense, maybe it was, there was a bit of a lost four or five months where they could have had him. But you know, that's all. Was under the bridge now. He's he's there now, and he's underlining what he's capable of. I mean, I, I remember seeing him play for Southampton against Everton yep. quite a couple of years ago, and it was the first time I'd actually seen him play uh, in the flesh. And it was it's funny. I mean, I think Everton got beat one nil, but Van Dijk he was playing centre back, but he spent half the game on the edge of Everton's area. And I remember saying to one of the locals, going, "You know, what, what's he doing? Is he always like this?" They were like, "Yeah, he just gets bored. He gets bored." I think you think he's just he's too good for this team, so he just wanders off into midfield when he senses something might be happening he likes to be around the action so you know he was just firing these shots off so it was just like you know I made a note of him from then just to see whether he was any good and we all now know
0: exactly how good he is Paul if I'd have said to you last year when they signed Van Dijk that in a year's time Liverpool would go on to have the best defence in the Premier League conceding only seven goals (coughs) before the turn of the year well it might be more but before Boxing Day would you you to call me crazy? Surely, yeah.
2: I mean, I think everyone hoped that Liverpool's defensive improvements would be instant, but I think a lot of people maybe thought that it wasn't going to be as as easy, and there would we'll, there would still be some teething problems and one or two issues. Because let's face it, Liverpool were not great at the back. Where they really. everyone knew it was their Achilles heel, and it was the one that constantly undermined them and, and stopped them making any significant progress. And, uh, as soon as Van Dyke come in, it, it literally was overnight, wasn't it? it was just like Liverpool went from however many they'd shipped up until Christmas to, I think they finished the season with, I think it might have been the, the best the, the best defensive record since 2009 or mm-hmm. 10, which has gone back to the Rafa Benitez days. He was a very defensive coach, so and a lot of that was down to Van Dyke. He, he doesn't miss any games through injury. He, he plays pretty much every game. He's... He's a leader. <clears throat> he's he's not the, the official captain, but I think he is the, the leader on the pitch, isn't he? Particularly at a time when Jordan Henderson's been rotated quite a lot. Um, I've got a sneaky suspicion that he might just be named official club captain in the summer. It's just going to be one of those quiet things where Jürgen Klopp will bring her in. Controversial call there. From, I, I, from, I think the it'll happen. I've, I've thought it a few times now. I think Klopp hasn't done it during the season because it'll just make unnecessary headlines. You no, know, people like us will obviously write a lot about it, even when that happens. <laughs> yeah, we will, yeah, we will. We will. We will, we will. We will yeah. <laughs> so I think he might just be trying to, trying to do it quietly in the summer when Liverpool, are, you know, in USA or Australia or whatever it may be. I think that might be coming. Um, and it's not a slight on Jordan Henderson, but I think it'd be a huge decision, and I think it could be the, the right call at this point.
1: I think the other thing going back to the the transfer that that another thing that suggested that we knew that he was going to come anyway. Was the fact that when the transfer fell through, which was in June or July, it was very early on in the summer. Liverpool were constantly like the fans were going, we going to sign a "We're going to sign a centre back, we're going to sign a centre back," and they didn't. And that was an example of yet again of Klopp where he's identified the player, persuaded him to to come to Liverpool, and while he's had to wait six months, it's happened, and he, he wouldn't didn't want to settle for second best, and he's done that quite a few times. You look at the keeper situation with Allison and Van Dijk is perhaps the ultimate in that because of what Liverpool. Kind of mm. maybe put themselves through a little bit, but they have got the man that they wanted,
0: and Klopp has been justified in waiting. Okay, well, you you did sloth the Liverpool after the, the the first transfer fell through. Yes. So, how much credit do you think they deserve? Not just Klopp for being patient, but the likes of Michael Edwards deserve for putting that deal together quietly. I think building is, bridges with yeah, Southampton yeah. and getting At, it done. I think Liverpool op- that
1: money. Liverpool obviously had had quite a lot of transfer dealings with. Southampton over the last yeah. couple of years, and it's whether or not maybe the great unspoken thing about this is that Southampton were always going to do something a bit funny, you know what I mean? Because there was obviously the suggestion that they, they couldn't made... be embarrassed, could they? I suppose. Yeah. yeah, they were going to do, they wanted to put Liverpool some kind of, you know through some kind of treatment that they, mm-hmm. w- what they could do in, in the knowledge that they were going to have to sell this player anyway for the amount of money that Liverpool were offering, and maybe he put another. I remember it was about sixty million pounds in the summer. Yeah. So obviously it's it went up another fifteen million pounds for a player who since then had been injured and didn't play particularly well. Mm-hmm. But because there's that premium of buying somebody halfway through the season and the fact, you know, everything that had gone on before. But Liverpool got it done and, you know, Klopp he it was always that suggestion, wasn't there, that Klopp didn't really like spending big money on players. I and when I mean big money, obviously I mean big, big, big money. But since then he's spent fifty odd million on cater and 60-odd million on on Alisson, but Van Dijk's still the big one. I think he's still the most expensive defender in the world. He is, isn't he? Mm -hmm. So there's a reason for that. And Liverpool had to pay a top dollar for a player who is. So they understood the value of him and they understood how much of a difference he was going to make to the team, which is why they were A, willing to wait, and B... They managed to, you know, build those bridges with Southampton, which obviously if somebody wants to build bridges with me for 15 million extra pounds. I'm quite happy with that.
2: <laughs> I, think, I think it was a big risk as well, though, because he picked up an ankle injury in January, and I don't think he played for the rest really? of that season. And then he didn't have a, a pre-season because he got left off Southampton's trip to France. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: the picture of him on the
2: plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so for Filippo to basically make him the world's most expensive defender a year after he basically, he was at his best. It, it was a big risk. Um But he's just come in and, and he stepped it up straight away. And it, as I say, it was almost instant, wasn't it? And now we're looking at, I mean, we could sit here for 10 or 15 minutes and you'd probably struggle to name a better centre-back in world football at the moment.
0: You, you said, Paul, before that you got the sneaky suspicion that he'd be handed the captaincy. But do you think that leadership is Van Dyke's greatest quality and, and the one quality that Liverpool really needed in that defence?
2: <coughs> that and... The fact that he's just so aerially dominant. Any corner mm-hmm. that comes in, it's just, he, he's like a magnitude, isn't he? And he heads it away. But yeah, in terms of his communication and, and basically just because, you know, it's not a one-man band, is it? It's a back four, it's a back five, and he's only one component of that. But, but the influence he has on everyone else around him is down to how, how much of a leader he is, as you say. Um, look at how much Joe Gomez has come on this mm-hmm. season and how much Dejan Lovren has come on. He was maligned for so often, wasn't he? Liverpool's the Bill's fall guy for... You know, countless incidents, and he hasn't had a rick in him for for months, and he's been another one who's who's benefited massively from from Van Dyke's influence. That's a
1: sound of a good player, isn't it? Yeah, Somebody who can yeah. make everybody instantly better, whoever it is that comes in and plays alongside him or, or around him. I mean, I'm sure if he went centre back, Joe, he didn't
0: preview. Could he make you better? That's impossible. No, no. I, I've reached my peak. <laughs> <laughs> but would you go along with what Paul was saying about this sneaky change in the summer? Of oh, you City? like this, don't you? you yeah, you're, you're, you're keeping hold of this one. Yeah.
1: Uh, I don't think so, in the sense that what's the? It creates a problem that that doesn't need to be created. Mm. I think whether Milner's even at the club at the end of the season, you know, I, I don't I hope he is. Like, but yeah. you know, it, it could. Van Dijk could be vice-captain. But, I mean, Klopp has spoken recently. He said that both Alisson and Van Dijk are two leaders in the dressing room. They don't have to be actually named captains. But, you know, we've, we've seen Van Dyke's actually captain the club already, hasn't he, mm-hmm. in certain games. Does he really need the armband to show how good he is? I don't think he's particularly forced. He's, he's quite laid back. Um, I, I think Klopp might just keep things as they are. As I say, it would just create a problem that doesn't need to be created. Yeah.
2: I, I mean, I think Jordan Henderson's a great captain in terms of doing things off the pitch that need to be done as a, as a Liverpool captain. It's about just, being a figurehead for yeah, the club as yeah, well. as it's just stuff just... like you know the messages to, to the family of Sean Cox or mm. whether there's something about Hills, whether you might need to say on, on Instagram or whatever it may be. Jordan Henderson's been really good at, at that kind of stuff. Um, but on the pitch, Van Dyke is, is the leader of this Liverpool team.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd go along with that. Dolly, you are old. We, we all know that. You're, I think we've already we've yeah, already we've discussed this quite no, a few
1: times on this podcast yeah, already. Yeah, but, it's only a but, brief podcast but we keep on mentioning my age. So yeah, okay. We've we talked do about I'm 30 job? years old. 30 years old? And anybody who'd look at you would think you're at least 31. 30 at you're at
0: least 31. 30 well, I'm in mean, my 30s. In that is time of
2: life, now you do only getting getting a one-year role in contract.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. Arsenal wouldn't give me Arsenal wouldn't give me a long deal, would they? But Doyle is old. We've established that and um no hair we just have forty-two. am 42? Yeah. yeah. So you are old. So, Proves my point. Um, you've seen many a centre back in yes. your time watching Liverpool mm. back to the you know past the war and you know, <laughs> the other. Gulf War, yeah. <laughs> the first to Gulf War. Um, yeah. Where does Van it doesn't Dyke? Doesn't even get as
1: far rank? As the Falcons War. Go on. Anyway. Where does
0: Van Dyke rank in the centre halves that you've seen? Yee. Give me a top five in order. Like, in order, well, why did not you ask me to, prepare to for one. this? Okay, I mean, we'll just give, I'll just <laughs> give you, you, you five. Shared, you said something funny.
2: similar to me yesterday when we were just chatting in the office, didn't you? Yeah, okay. Well, I, well in the top
1: five, he's definitely there already. Yeah. And he's already well on his way to being the best I've seen. Yeah. So you've got him. You've got Hippier. Yeah. Definitely those yeah. two. You've got Carragher. So yeah. there's three. And obviously I'm old, so you're going back you're a old, bit further. Yeah. Probably Lawrenson and Hansen, the pair of them. I mean, when I. So that's your five? They'll be the five, not necessarily in that order. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd have to say, I mean, Liverpool have had some good sense of... Like, what do I want about? Like, good. Yeah. Not, like, brilliant. they yeah. good ones, like John Scales, you know, Ruddock, Poncho, He was decent. Yeah. You know, people like that. Honcho and, was and, yeah. and Joe Gomez, who could end up... You know, Lovren. You know, Lovren, he's good. You, you, Joe Gomez, who could end up becoming somebody nearer to those top five. But at the moment, I'd say it's, it, it's that five. The fact that Van Dyke's only been here for just about a year, you can tell instantly. I mean, he just makes... Yes, I mentioned before he makes everybody better. He makes the team better, and he kind of just disheartens the opposition a little bit as well when they see him. There was a incident when on Friday when Liverpool were at Wolves and uh, Treore Wolves speedy winger, they they tried to isolate him a little bit against Van Dyke isolate Van Dyke against his pace, thinking oh well he'll, he'll never be able to catch up with him. <laughs> and think, think Traore had a two yard start and Van Dyke had caught up with him and knocked the ball off him by the time he got anywhere near the penalty area.
0: So, of those five players that Doddy was mentioned, could I suggest Paul that Van Dyke combines the qualities of Hippier, dominant in the air, Carragher. He's a talker and a leader, mm. and perhaps the player that he didn't mention on his list that would m- probably make my list of, of five centre halves is perhaps the coolness and the, the ball playing ability of, of a Daniel Agger. Would, I you, about would him, you go yeah. along with
2: that? I would. Um, he's, got, he's got that long raking pass, has not yeah, he, Van yeah. Dyke? And he does that every game, and it's. It's always forty yards out, out to the wide right, so he's got that in his locker. And we all know how, how much of a talker he is, and the, the characters that made Jamie character, sorry, characteristics that made Jamie Carragher such a such a pivotal figure for Liverpool in, in uh, some of the glorious years of the early two thousands. Um, yeah, he, he's, he he combines it all, doesn't he? Um, there's a <clears throat> something uh, the former Liverpool captain Jamie Redknapp said today, and he's basically said that. Um, Van Dyke combines everything good about John Terry and the Manu village in Rio Ferdinand and they're three of the best centre-backs in, in Premier League history. And You can kind of see what it means in terms of, of the, the ability. It's, it, it, there are no glaring weaknesses there, in, in mm-hmm. Van Dijk's game um, and that's the reason why he is the world's most expensive defender.
1: However, I would like to point out that the five I mentioned, the other four, won the European Cup. Liverpool, so okay. okay. I know Van Dyke's <clears> played <throat> in the Champions that, League. That's, final That's the big thing, that's the thing, is yes, he has, to, it? has, well, to, well, it has well, to move well, on to but, that. Also, just one well, you mentioned about combining qualities, he's like Hippier and Hansen in the fact that you hardly ever see him make a slide tackle. Mm. When, when it was Hansen and Lawrence, or Hippie and Honcho, it would be Honcho and Lawrence, and he'd be sliding everywhere, be yeah, muddy, and all that mm. kind of stuff. And they'd always look as though it was like everything was like not mm. everything was last ditch, but it looked like a more of an effort than it did to the others.
0: Do you ever remember, I don't know why this just popped into my head, so it's not really about Van Dyke, but I like <laughs> want to get out there, you know. Do yeah. you ever remember when Sammy here picked up a head injury? I'm sure it was against Bolton at Anfield and he disappeared down the tunnel and comes back on Few minutes later, with a bandage around mm. his head, goes running. Liverpool concedes a free kick at that stage. Goes running straight, straight into the fence for this free kick. Bolton swinging in, he heads a clear. Liverpool are out and clear the danger. And I always remember that's this giant cheer at Anfield. And I don't think Liverpool have had an um, aerial dominant mm. player like Van Dyke since Sammy Hibbert. I don't, I don't think, think any, they've ever. I don't replaced think any him. Premier League team
1: has anybody like that.
0: No, maybe not. No. Okay, well. the the segue that you you gave me very nicely before was trophies. So I'm going to finish this off. It is an extra short moment from us because we've got bits and pieces from other significant people in Van Dyke's history in this podcast, which I'm sure you'll be listening to shortly. So I'll finish off with us by asking you both a simple question. Ian Doyle. You're a cynical man. You're an old man. <laughs> I am not cynical. Yeah. This, yeah. this is the cynical is, old 20-year veteran. Not,
1: I am not cynical. Anyway, I'm a realist. Will there's, Van a dif- Dijk, there's a difference there. There's will difference. Van
0: Dyke lead Liverpool to... I'm sorry, that is my that phone. That is your phone, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> See, yeah. Unprofessional, it's Christmas, it's you can, you can yeah. tell that you know <laughs> you
1: don't hold regularly. <laughs> honestly. I do when
0: you're off. I do when you're off. Anyway, will Which Van Dyke lead Liverpool to the Premier League title? Yes or no?
1: When you say lead, do you mean as captain?
0: Not as captain, but... Do you mean... His presence. Uh, is he the man mm. that has changed things for Liverpool in terms of making them title contenders?
1: If Liverpool are to win the Premier League... This is a proper politician's answer, by the way. Yeah, it was if, a Liverpool, yes or no question. if Liverpool are to win the Premier League in the next five years, it will be in a decent part because they have Van Dijk playing and fit. So, so, so yes? Um, that's, well, no, it's if they do, it'll be... Come on, just put your...
0: Put put it on the line. It's ah, Christmas story. Sure, going to the think, title. What you
1: think? I'm going to hand it over to, to PG. No,
0: you're not. On, I want to get a PG
2: tip. Go on. Oh. Okay. So Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> have gone in the last twelve months. Liverpool have gone from kind of the neutrals' favourite of they might win four or three, they might draw three all, to being a serious team who are now four points clear at the, at the top of the Premier League, heading into the new year. Um. Yes. If. If Liverpool are going to win the league, as Dodie says, Virgil Van Dijk will be, you know, one of the, the top three. That's most not, so not, not your really answer. That's not I'm not <laughs> asking
0: you if. I'm asking you will. Well, what happens? Yes, if we say, no. What happens if we say no? Yes. This is like the. Day you both. This is no, like. No, I, hang I, hang I think on.
2: now Liverpool are, are equipped, equipped to, to win this the is, Premier League, and they didn't for, for so long. And now I'm looking at it thinking, yes, they can't. They that's Don't bang your microphone.
1: I've written a story the other day, which I can't remember what day we're on now, where it basically says Liverpool are. Better equipped than and better placed than the, since the last time they won the league it to win the league yeah. was it yesterday yeah to 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 win the league so I'm asking you, that you I feel like
0: Paxman here I'm asking you, you yes don't or like though, him as well will we'll <laughs> win the league with Van Dyke and the team
1: yes or no I, you answer it first yes you think they will yes yeah. and that's inside five years basically yes basically he's, he's, I think he's got a six year or something it's something yeah, like that yeah. so five years. You never answered,
0: did you?
2: I did. You
1: did? You did said you say yes. yes. I said Yeah.
0: yeah. Come on, Doyley, answer the question.
1: That's all we it. want for Christmas. Okay, I will say yes.
0: Ian Doyle has <laughs> predicted a Premier League title for Liverpool. That is your Christmas present. And with that, with that, we will leave this pod here. Just before we go, thank you all to all our listeners for um, listening to us throughout the year, for all your support, for all your comments and your feedback. Uh, a very Merry Christmas to you. Joe, we just going like to
1: interrupt you and say we've already done this on the last podcast.
0: I know podcast, you have, but, but, but this is actually going out on Christmas Day. So. <laughs> is it?
1: But they've already. Can you wish somebody a Merry Christmas after Christmas? No, this is on Christmas, Christmas Day. Christmas so they're currently day, enjoying they Christmas be, listening, yes, they, listening they, to they, us. They, they, let's, let's be, be honest. Be. It's probably about seven o'clock at night by the time they've they're listening. They've probably this. got this on. The, the kids yeah. have settled down. Yeah. yeah. They've they tired yeah, themselves out. I like to think that they've
0: got this on their speaker and they're all having Christmas dinner at the table. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all sitting silently listening to us. we have all
2: got the new Alexas in this. Yeah, yeah, Alexa, yeah. Play Blood Red podcast. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, um, and if Alexa you don't Play follow us on podcast. Facebook, the Blood Red podcast Facebook group, come and join us. And um discuss tweet, tweet all the Joe Rimmer things.
1: all the time with tweet, all your requests.
0: Tweet us all all the time with your requests and have a great Christmas. And we will leave it there. Goodbye.
2: The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
3: That was good stuff from Joe, Ian and Paul, and if you would like to stick with this special Christmas Day Blood Red podcast a little longer, we do have a bit more for you. Watching Virgil van Dijk at Wolves on Friday, and throughout his first 12 months at Anfield for that matter, I can't have been the only person wondering whether there was a better centre-back in the world. But I've also been wondering whether he's always been this good, and if so, with all the respect in the world to Celtic, why has it taken him as long as it has to play for a club like Liverpool? To try to find the answers to those questions, I spoke to two people from Van Dyke's past. Firstly, you'll hear from Adam Leach, who used to cover Van Dyke in his role as the Southampton writer at the Southern Daily Echo. He tells us whether he has been surprised by just how well the Dutchman has settled in at Liverpool. And then you'll hear the conversation I had at the weekend with former Celtic first team coach Gary Parker. If you're like me, you'll remember Gary from his playing days with Nottingham Forest, Aston Villa, and Leicester. After he hung up his boots, he went into coaching, and he was on Neil Lennon's coaching staff when Celtic bought Van Dyke for £2.6 million from Groningen. Just over five years later, he was making a £75 million move to Liverpool, and as mad as it sounds, that fee doesn't half look a bargain now. The Blood Red Podcast
0: from the Liverpool Echo.
3: No, no, I can't
4: say I am, because he's top quality. I mean, we, we were saying after six months of watching him, this guy, um, he could play for anybody now. He could walk into Barcelona, he could walk into Man City, he could walk into Liverpool, whatever, straight in, and improve them. Not just play, but improve them. He, he was obviously that good from early on, Um and I think what was interesting, of course, with his deal is I think a lot of people were were stunned by kind of the size of the deal, the cost of that Liverpool were being asked to pay. And, and I think having watched some of that, um, the Man City documentary uh, that's going around at the moment, obviously the, they sort of showing that that they were in for him, and there's a kind of comment in there of sort of they want how much uh, sort of comment that's in there. Um, because, it, it, you know, on the face of it, it seemed like a lot of money. But I think Saints were right. I mean, they valued him fairly. He's a £75 million player. That's that's just his place in, in this kind of market. So for me personally, having watched him, I, I can't honestly say I was that surprised. I think he, he is that good. And, and obviously he's proving it on, on a huge stage, uh, which he's now performing at Liverpool.
2: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
3: Cheers, Gary, for speaking to us anyway, mate. Uh, yeah, we we'll talk about Virgil Van Dijk, who's probably, as we were saying then, probably one of the best players in form in, in the world at the moment. And it was you and Neil Lennon who, who brought him to Britain in the summer two thousand and thirteen, I think, for two point six million from Groningen. What kind of impact did he uh, did He have when you brought him to Parkhead? Well, it took him a
5: while to settle, but once he settled, he was just different class. You know everything about him, reading of the game, had it, neat tackling. Him. But the best thing he had was his distribution with the ball and you know, his long range passing, bringing help from. He was just unbelievable.
3: Did you know a fair bit about him before you brought him in? Yeah,
5: there's a, yeah, there's a scout that goes out watching, and then we have to run the rule by ripping hard. Yeah, Joachim uh, Albi, who was working with us at the time, he's a centre half. He went to watch him. And he said, "Yeah, he's decent." So we brought him in, and we never looked, he never looked at you and he just gone on to bigger things.
3: Were you shocked by just how good he was? You know, when you first had him at that training session. Were you surprised there was other interest, maybe from the Premier League in him?
5: Well, I mean, we did our own work, obviously, because we've, we've watched him. Uh, that's up to other clubs to do the same thing. But you know, we got him at 2.6. Now, if they'd have done that, they'd probably got him a lot cheaper, wouldn't they?
3: Yeah, yeah.
5: So that we brought him into Britain, as I say, I spoke to him, and he said this is a step, stepping stone for him to go on to bigger things. And he's he's gone on and done that.
3: Yeah, so he was ambitious, really, from day one. He made clear what he he wanted to do in the game. Probably from Liverpool's perspective, he's not looked phased by it at all, and it sounded it was exactly the same at Celtic. He just went in. It's a big club, big club, Celtic, like I say. But he, he just took it all in his stride.
5: Yeah, but that's because of, you know he's such a good player. He doesn't worry about the, the money, what they you know what, what they pay for him. You know that when he goes on the field, you know what you're going to get. First class defender. It's good at you know he's got the lot. He's good at everything.
3: What type of character is he as well behind the scenes? And his best qualities as a footballer, I think you touched on some of them, but it's it's his, it's not only his defending, it's his ability on the ball. His ability on the
5: ball, you know, it's just distributing long and short passing in either foot, yeah, you know, and he reads the game very well. And as I say, Liverpool's getting you know getting the benefits
3: from it all now. Yeah, I suppose at Liverpool we've probably not seen it yet, but he's a he's an half after- decent free kick taker as well. He scored a few goals up there, but didn't he? He scored a few yeah, <laughs> he did
5: for so yeah, long range free kick, yeah, he took a lot and everyone scored at What a great free kick that was. You know, he got a lot, you know, if he gets a chance.
3: If somebody gets some time, can they show you what you can do? Yeah. By the time you and Neil had gone into the uh, to the to the Bolton job, I think before Virgil actually came to leave Celtic, you were, I'm no doubt, you followed his career. Since then, were you shocked in a way that one of the bigger boys in the Premier League had didn't move for him then before Southampton because he proved by that time two seasons with Celtic was was such a good player he was.
5: Yeah, well, as I said to you before, you know, Liverpool ended up paying seventy-five million for him. If they'd have done their own and watched him earlier, they'd have gone cheaper. A bloke Ross Wilson was working at Southampton. He phoned me up and he said, he, "Well, we see him." He said, "Could Virgil van Dyke play in the And I said, "You're taking taking the Mick. Yeah, it absolutely walk it. You know, and uh, and they signed him, and he went down there and done very well.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so you knew ever, never any doubts by the time he did arrive at Liverpool how, how good he would guys, actually uh, be.
5: As soon as he tried to play with us at Southampton, he knew he was going to go on to bigger things. And it was just for what club
3: and yeah.
5: at the time it the Southampton that had come from. He's at a club where, you know, he's loving, he's thriving, isn't he? So, you know, Liverpool's a big football club and he's like, like European Cup final, that like Champions League final last year and now sitting at the top of the league at Christmas.
3: Do you think he is one of the, the world's best defenders now?
5: He is and he's still only young, isn't he? He's yeah. got a lot, you know, a lot more years in front of him but the way he keeps going, yeah, why not? Why yeah. not? Dutch captain now as well, isn't he? So, you know, he has got
3: a lot. You must be proud, you know, I know you've developed a lot of players and a fantastic career yourself, you and Neil, but you're proud of how he's taken his career on since he played under played on the under well, you for that you, first you, season. You always
5: look for the results where your players are gone, you know your ex players, you always look for the results to see how they've got on, how well they're doing and to see that you're doing really well, it's brilliant brilliant for us as well.
3: Good stuff, one final question mate, before I let you go, you were with that great Forest side of the 80s, that won silver, that battling Liverpool for silver, and you were playing for Forest the last time Liverpool won the league, as an observer, you know, do you think it, it, it be, won't be too long before Liverpool can actually win the league again? Well, I, I
5: always had a soft spot for Liverpool, because when I was growing up, I used to like you know, the Keegan days, yeah. and when they got rid of him, I was going, but then they brought down Galician, who was, who was a better player in my always so... I have got a soft spot for Liverpool, which is you know, which is good. And if they can go on and do it, brilliant. Yeah, especially
3: for Verge as well. Yeah, brilliant. Just still keeping touch with Virgil at all, like it, from time to time. know, oh, I
5: lost all my numbers, but I used to speak to him. But if he <laughs> reads that, then tell him that. Uh, good luck to
3: him. You've been listening to the Blood
1: Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.